Thank you for welcoming the presence of God in your home this morning. I love you guys so much beyond what I could express. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to just be here and to be able to bring you God's word this morning. Um, first of all, excuse me, I'm a little bit of water. <laughs> first of all, I want to thank God for the opportunity um, that he's given me um, just to be his vessel, to serve him, to love him, and, you know, to be used by him in any way he wants to use me, or whatever that looks like. Um, and I'm honored for the privilege to be here to preach his word, because it's an honor and a privilege to preach the gospel, to preach his word, to read the word, to, to have this right here is an honor and a privilege that most people don't have. There are people who don't have the honor and the privilege to carry one of these things here, to carry the Bible. It's literally illegal to do so in some countries. It's literally illegal to do what we're doing right here. It's literally illegal right now in some states to worship. And we have the opportunity to be here to serve God, to love God, to honor God. And I thank him for the opportunity and the privilege to bring his word to you today. I also wanna thank my pastors as they've given me this opportunity. Thank you, I love you. Thank you for believing God and thank you for believing in me. And I appreciate you and you guys mean so much to me. I wanna thank just everyone that has continued to encourage me. Honestly, it has been, it has been about, I would say, maybe five years since the last time I preached. Maybe like right after I got married or right before something like that. <laughs> and I've been married five years, so it's around that time. And I'll be honest with you, like there are times that I struggled and that I fought with the idea of maybe I'm just not meant to preach anymore. So maybe I'm not meant to do this. I mean, I'm not good enough for this. But in times where I didn't feel good enough, and in even in this, this time that um, I was able to say yes, God has allowed me to really experience, not to just know that, yes, maybe I'm not good enough, but he's good enough. And he says that I'm worthy. And if I'm good for anything, or if anything good comes out of this, it's all God. And it's not—it's really not my choice to be good enough, or people's choice, or people's opinions that make me good enough. It is up to him. It is him who wills to do something good in us and through us. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know how he just chooses to do so. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful that he looked at me even when I didn't think I was good enough. And he's like, I'm good enough to use you. And I'm good enough to exalt you. And that's the same thing I wanna tell you today. Like even if it's been a long time, I don't know who to swear, but if you're watching, it's been a long time that you worship him. You used to worship all the time, you used to sing. 
um, used to preach all the time, to do studies, whatever it was. Like, you, know, you used to do something that now you no longer do for whatever reason. Maybe something happened that took you off, you know, took you out of, you know, his will, took you out of his, his ways. Something hurt you, someone hurt you, whatever it is. Maybe you feel like it's been too long. I'm not good enough for this anymore. God can look at you and he looks at you with eyes of love and worthiness. And he's the one who decides if we're good, if we're good enough or not. And if, and honestly, it's him who's good enough. So anything that good that comes out of us is because of him. God can bring goodness into a situation and God can bring goodness out of you. But it's all him. So it's never too late. It's never never too late and it, it never was about you anyway. And that's what I had to learn. Like it never was about me anyway. So God bless you. Let's get started here. Um, we're in a series called God Is. And I just want to like, from your house, I need you to give a hand clap to what God has been doing in our church these past weeks through this series. And he has been lifting up these women of God that I'm so proud to call my sisters. I'm so proud to call my pastors. I'm so proud to just call you my friends, my family. God has been lifting up the women and it's been a beautiful thing to see. So here I am just continuing the series today and in under the theme of God is. And today we're going to be talking with the, the title of my message and the theme we're going to be talking about is God is And it's crazy, I, I my whole intro, I guess, like, spontaneous intro <laughs> ties into it so much. God is enough. God is enough. Like I said, when I didn't feel good enough, or I still don't feel good enough sometimes, but when I don't feel good enough, God is enough. God is enough. I want to drill that in your mind. Say it over yourself. Say it over your situation. God is enough. So if you guys can, I have the verses here. We're going to be reading from, we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to, I'm sorry, book of John, chapter 6. Wow. It's in the gospel. Sorry, y'all. I knew it was <laughs> John, chapter 6. Um. That's the passage we're going to be reading from. And this is where, verse, we're talking from verse 25. John chapter 6, a lot is going on. I'm actually going to probably open it from here. Um, I have it here, but I'll open it for myself here. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> John chapter 6, we're going to be reading from verse 25. And at this point, we just saw Jesus feed the, the 5,000. We just saw him walk on water. And here is when Jesus was supposed to go to a certain place, but he didn't. After his miracle, he went somewhere else. And it says that once the crowd realized that Jesus nor his disciples were there, where they thought he was going to be, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So like these people were expecting Jesus to be in this place. He didn't show up, so they were like, hold on, where's Jesus? 
let's get up in our boats and let's just go like like they rolled deep in their boats and they were like we gotta find jesus we gotta find jesus right and this is where they found him they found him on the other side of a lake and let's start reading from there i'm gonna read i'm gonna read through it or you know what i think i'm gonna read little by little and we'll go through it little by little a little more comfortable with that um to bible study <laughs> so little by little let's do that so let's start verse 25 it says when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him rabbi when did you get here jesus answered very truly i tell you you are looking for me not because you saw the signs i performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. so here we are they're looking for jesus they're wondering why he didn't show up where they expected him to they go and find him and he tells them you're not looking for me not because of the signs i performed but because of the loaves you had because of the loaves and you've had your fill the loaves that you had the fish that you had you had your fill like letting them know like you're just coming for another handout you're coming for another meal you're not coming to me for the prep for the essence of who i am you're here for what i can do or what i've done before jesus just performed two major miracles and instead of the people wanting to see jesus out of genuine faith he knew that they only saw him in pursuit of what he could physically provide to them and it's crazy i don't know i just thought about it now like this just got to me now but like they go to the place where they thought he would be and when he's not there they go to find him and they find him because god is true to his word it says you seek me you earnestly seek me you shall find me but how bad does it feel how bad is it to be that when we he's faithful to his promise to find him but when we find him he tells us i'm here but you're not looking for, for me for me you're looking for what i can do for you how heartbreaking is that how many times have we done that that we go to church to a place where we feel like we can find him and maybe we don't find him there we're looking for him we, we're not finding him there but then he we're like god why aren't you here why aren't you in church like this is where you're supposed to be like i come to church for you right for you and to find you and then he's not there we go into our, our house we go to our house we go to our secret places we go home we're like god where were you where were you why weren't you there and he's like so like, why do you look for me you're only looking for me for what i can do for you how heartbreaking is that situation it's crazy that we can do that we can go to the house of god and look for god maybe feel disconnected not find him to so then realize it's because we weren't looking for the essence of who he was who he was who he is but we're looking for what he can do for us do you think maybe that's why sometimes we feel disconnected from god because we're not looking for him the essence of who he is but we're looking for something that is not him it's just something that he can do for us maybe something that's connected to him but it's not him or something that he can do for us but it's not him you think maybe that's why we feel disconnected at time of worship or why we feel disconnected when we go to church because we think we're going to church for god but we're looking for we're going for what we're going to connect for what 
to what he can do for us. Um, we are to be in awe of God, full of faith and wonder of our God, but it's our faith, awe and wonder tied to the things he decides to give us. Do our faith and wonder remain, even in knowing that he could give it, but he chose not to? Are we in awe of the provider, even when he doesn't provide? We know, I saw someone say here, seek his face, not his hand. Um, what that means is to want to be in the presence that can fix all things, provide all things, heal all things, and do all things, even if he decides that he's not going to. And that happens. God just says, no is an answer. Pastor Tanya said it in a Bible study. If you haven't watched Bible study, go back listen to it. But no is an answer. And it's hard to hear, but I promise you, God's no is better than the world's yes. God's no is better than your yes. God's no is more sovereign than any other decision, any other answer that we could ever receive, even from ourselves, from our family, from our parents, from our kids, from our whoever. Do we still seek the provider even when he doesn't provide? Do we still want to seek him even if he decides that he's not going to do what we want him to do? Amen. We read verse 27. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you for on him god the father has placed his seal of approval then they asked him well let's just stop there seal of approval and here verse 27 <laughs> how beautiful is that that we don't he's telling us don't work for the things that won't last that will spoil, that won't always taste good, won't always be good, won't always be great for you, will just pass, like pass through our bodies, or pass through our life, and then just stay there, remain there in the past. They don't remain. But for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. A lot of things that we ask God to do here on earth will, will do just that, will remain here on earth. Even the important, which the things we care about, God cares about. So I'm not trying to say that the things you ask him for are not important, but even the things that are important to us, right? That do have value to us here. Those things that we ask here on earth will do just that, they'll remain here. And I can't promise you that he will answer every prayer or petition that we ask him for, but I can promise you that he will give you the things that endure to eternal life. Because he says it here. He, it says it here. He says he has, the Father has placed his seal of approval on everything Jesus will give us that endures to eternal life. I don't know about you, but I want 
the things that I desire and that I ask Jesus for to be approved by the Father. Not only in my life, but my desires in this life, I want those things to make the Father proud. I don't want God to look at my heart and my desires and say, you know, I wish I could get behind that. Or I, I you know, I'm proud of you. Or I'm, 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 I wish I could, I wish I could get behind what you're asking me. I want him to say, daughter, son, you son, daughter, I am proud of you for asking me for the things that I put my seal of approval on. I approve the desires that you have that you ask me for. They are aligned to my heart. They're aligned to eternal life. So a lot of times we ask God and we don't know, we don't think, or we don't ask God, God, is this, does this make you proud that I'm asking you for this? Does this, does this, you know, make you happy? Does this fill you with joy? Does this make you look upon me with joy? Say, you know, like, I'm proud of you for seeking me, or I'm proud of you for seeking me in this way, or seeking this. You know? And that's just, I want God to look at me, and I want the things that I desire to be approved by Him. As we continue, let's continue reading. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You know, the people that he's speaking to here, the one that came to look for him on, on, the, on their boats, <laughs> they missed the point in asking what works can they do? So like what I was saying before, like I'm not telling you that your works can do anything. The, etern the eternal life that God wants to give us is something that will be given to us. Eternal life is given to us. It's not something we could work for. And that's what they missed. Like, it's not something that they were able to work for. The only work we do when it comes to our salvation is we must believe in the one who was sent to die for us. Choosing Christ, believing in Christ, is something we must work at every day. And hear me, I know we've done the sinner's prayer, we say, God, I choose you, and I know that you are my Lord and Savior, and I believe that you are the Son of God, but you came and died for me. But it doesn't stop there. Choosing God at the in the altar call or in the salvation experience doesn't stop there. Every day we must work to choose God. So that means it's not the things that we, I want. I hope we understand, it's not the things that, the, the, the good things I do or the bad things I do, but it's the, it's the action of choosing God that grants me eternal life. Choosing and believing God. That means in the, even when it's hard, even when it's not the popular thing to do, even when everyone on TikTok is doing all these trends and then you want to post a Bible verse and people are like, why are you going to push your religion on me? Da, da, da. Even when it's not popular to choose God, that is the work we do. To believe 
and choose God. That is how we don't earn it. It's given to us eternal life. But that is all we need to do. And that it, it sounds simple, but it's not always easy. Every day, work to choose God. So when we continue reading verse 30. So I'm sorry. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and it is written, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, one of the I am's. Beautiful. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not Wow. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. You know, the people here ask for a sign like, to believe who Christ is. Like the people they ask for a sign, them like like the manna in the wilderness. When you read the Exodus story, you know that God made manna rain down. So the people right now here are asking for a sign from Jesus, just like that one, so that they may see it, and then they'll believe that Jesus, they, they believe Jesus and what he is telling them right now. How many times have we tied our belief that God is or is not in the midst of something to the presence or absence of the thing we asked him for? Saying like, you know, we say, so I, I know this isn't God because I saw him provide this for me before and I'm not seeing it here. So I know God ain't, I know this is not God. <laughs> or we say like, you know, he healed me before and I'm not seeing it for this person. So, or that person, so this can't be God. Like that we determine the presence of God or the fact that God is there or God is in the midst based and we tie it to the fact we, we, we base the presence of God, we tie the presence of God to the presence of our answered prayers or to the things we're believing in for. But God asks you today, why is your belief in me tied to what I choose or choose not to grant you? Tell me this is for me first. This word was for me first. This is with love. But I felt God's heart weeks ago when he brought me this message. God, I was like, God, what do I preach about? What do I say? I use so many things. What can I say? What can I say about you? He said, tell them I'm enough. And he proceeded to show me. So when I'm saying this, it's not to judge you. But it is to bring an awareness to you for us to understand that this is what we do. This is what I do, what I've done. 
know? He asked you today, why is your belief in me tied to what I choose or choose not to drink? Why is my presence determined by how I choose or choose not to move? Why does it have to look a certain way for you to believe in me? Let me tell you. It's like I said, I know God had given me, had given me this message weeks ago. Before I was even asked to preach. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's funny. I was sitting to myself and I'm like, man, I don't think I'm going to preach. I don't know because I told you my whole story in the beginning. I'm like, but if I were to preach, God, what would I say? What would I say about you? And he told me, tell him I'm enough. I promise you. Before I even knew that I was going to preach. And, you know, I had already had been, me and my family had been going through some things that we had already, like, that I thought, I'm like, okay, so this is why I'm doing, this is why I'm going through this, so that I can preach that you're enough because of this, because of what I'm going through here. And I was like, okay, yes, God, you have been faithful. You have been enough in this situation. I'll, I'll preach it. And then, and then COVID happens to me. <laughs> and I have to be alone, separated from my family. And glory to God. God deserves all the praise and the honor. Because I know that, you know, COVID looks so different from so many people. And that so many people have gone through so many things and have lost people like glory to god I'm not, I'm not trying to make my situation bigger than those but thank god that my family my whole family they've been healthy negative no symptoms it was just me and when i figured that out and i knew my baby was negative and i knew that she was good and she was going to be with my mom and my dad and my husband and they're all healthy thank the lord i'm so grateful i was able to sit down and say I'm gonna be alone. Like I'm by myself here. And um immediately I felt God tell me, you're not alone, I'm with you. Remember I told you I wanted you to tell them that I'm enough. You're gonna experience for real what it means to know that your God is enough. And when I tell you, I haven't been alone. Physically, yes. Physically, you got the one woman production team right here. But I have not been alone. I've never felt, I've never felt more company. I've never felt more loved. I've never felt more embraced than I do right now. Never. And it was for me to experience that in the midst of sickness and in the midst of, of battling anxiety attacks and in the midst of battling legit depression to come out of this and tell you that I know God is enough. Yes, because what he tells me, but because I've seen it, I've experienced it. God is enough. Even if you don't feel it, even if the voices in your head are telling you something different, even if you're battling anxiety and having a legit anxiety attack, God is enough i promise you i promise you because of what i've experienced and first and foremost what it says here 
but I've experienced what it says here. God is enough. Take it from a girl that was supposed to feel defeated, was supposed to feel the most alone that she's ever felt. To tell you that I don't and mean it. God is enough. He is here. He is with you. And I'm sorry, I meant like, I didn't mean to go off <laughs> right now, but um, I just felt to take time to talk about it. You know? Um, he tells you, I have been there. I'll always be there. And I'm there right now. But sometimes you don't believe me because it doesn't look like you feel or expected it to. If you look at John chapter 20, verse 29, I don't have it up, but Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. I'm telling you, some of us have seen God, yet we still truly do not believe. We're, we've seen God to the point that we recognize it's God. We've seen him do it before. But we still don't believe that he is capable of doing or being who he says he is. And you know, you personally know the area where you've seen God, where you've seen God in your life, where you've seen him do something in your life, whatever that looks like. And then when things happen or when things don't go your way, or maybe you have a prayer that was answered in a way that you didn't expect it, you don't believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and believe, but we've seen and we still don't believe. Lord, help our unbelief. And to not forget your goodness and what we've seen from you already. That you are still that God, even when you don't decide to move like that in this situation. Let's move forward to verse 37. I'm sorry, guys. Hold on. <laughs> I try to hold back my tears and it's crazy. Um, <laughs> verse 37. All those who the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, or raise them up at the last day. The will of the Father who sent Jesus was that he would not lose none of those he has given him. The will of the Father is that Jesus lose none of us. I promise you, even if you feel lost, he has not lost you. You are not lost. Jesus says it here. That he would not lose none of those who God has given to him. You are his son, you are his daughter, you're his child. God has not lost you. 
It is never the will of God for God to forget you, abandon you, and lose you. It is always the will of God that he never lose you. You are not lost, even if you feel like that. Even if you feel that way right now, he will never send you away. He will never reject you. Right now, because, you know, this, this, I don't want to get into it passages that you know that scary situation when we come to the father and he says turn turn from me i never knew you that's at the end of this life we have to be careful you know we have to seek god and make sure that that doesn't happen but right now in this life that we're living right now god has not lost you anymore he hasn't lost sight of you he sees you and if you come to him right now He's not going to reject you. He's not going to send you away. And he will never lose you. So, as we continue, verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. It is God's will for you to have eternal life. It's up to us if we believe. But it is God's will. Just to remind you, it is God's will for you to be in eternity with him. For you to have eternal life. So, in that is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jew. Okay, sorry about that, guys. We started, we're stopping here. Sorry. That you have eternal life. That is God's will for you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, God's will is for you to have eternal life. I stopped there because I'm going to There's so much in this chapter. There is so much. I encourage you to read all of I encourage you to read the whole Bible, <laughs> read the whole gospel, all the gospels, read the whole book of John. But if you want to come back to chapter 6 um, and, and this passage, 25 to I believe it's in. 59 I encourage you to do it it's a lot I don't want to keep you guys all day riding I'm skipping forward a little bit but read it take some time out and read it it's beautiful I am the bird of life it's awesome um but we are gonna skip forward to verse 48 and it says I am the bread of life he says it again it's like remind, like we're telling them, like trying to get in their brain. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Wow. People of Israel, like I said in the Exodus story, they ate the manna that God gave them, yet they still died. We depend on the things that he has given us so much. The things God gives us are not God. I want us to understand that. Even though God is in the midst and he gave you that thing, that thing he gave you, that thing he granted to you is not God. If we put our trust in the things that he blessed us with in this life, we will surely die. And a lot of times we do that. 
Like, God gave me this job. I've been asking for a job. He gave me the job. Hey, man, blah, blah. now nothing else matters but this job. And oh, I'm gonna be fine because I have this job now. I'm gonna be good because I got this promotion and my job. I'm gonna be that job that God gave you is not God. And he is a jealous God. And nothing will take his place. Nothing takes the place of God. We make the things that he he's given us idols. And we break the heart of God when we take his blessings and we make when we put them in his place. How horrible, how selfish we can be. To break God's heart like that, to take the thing that he gave us, he blessed us with, and make it bigger than the God who gave it to us. The provision that God provides cannot and will not be, it can't be, it will never be compared to who he is. The gift is not greater than the gifter. Don't get it twisted. I'm telling you, the gift will never be greater than the gifter. The gift is not God. The gifter will always be greater. The gifter is God. And nothing, nothing can take his place. Nothing should take his place. And God forgive us. I talk to myself to forgive us. Help us repent. If we've done that, if we've taken the things that you've given us and we made them bigger than you, forgive us, God. Forgive us, Lord. And the last verse I'm going to hit on this chapter is I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. You know, um, I was reading about bread, right? <laughs> I was like, let me read some fun facts about bread. And um, I didn't know this, but the inside of the bread, if you look like, if you look at a, a roll of bread, like a hero bread or something like that, a sub, um, a hoagie, wherever you're from, depends on what that's called. <laughs> look at the outside of the crust, right? The soft inside, the majority of it, the inside of it is called the crumb. I was like, oh, that's a big crumb. Like, the inside of the bread is called the, the crumb. And it reminded me of Matthew 15, 27. And I go out of here, I'm so sorry, guys. But Matthew 15, 27, with the woman that her daughter was sick, she had a conversation with Jesus, and it seemed like it was... I, I, I read this, I feel like, you know, God, it felt like a little bit like if Jesus was like, it's all right, like, not dismissing her, but like, I believe he was trying to test the persistence, you know? Um, and it says, as she tells him, yes, it is, Lord. Let me, let me actually get it, because I didn't get the whole thing. I'm so sorry. Let me, 
It's all right. Let me go. Let me go over here. Matthew 25. Sorry, Matthew 15. So I have verse 27, but I really would like to share with you right before that. 27. So it says, actually from verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the, to the dogs. So you look at that, you're like, Jesus, that's not right. It's not a dog, right? It's kind of, it's really rough, like, seeing her situation um, with Jesus. But, he's, but then she says, yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. I want to tell you the crumbs was not the shoes that was being referred to here was not the healing, was not the thing he gave her and he granted to her. The crumbs was Jesus. Her faith in Jesus. The inside, the whole loaf was Jesus. And this woman saw the value of the crumbs, but recognized that it wasn't about what she wanted out of Jesus but that she was in the presence of the Messiah, the one that could heal her daughter. So the crumbs that she wanted wasn't the actual healing. The crumbs she wanted was Jesus. And it's enough for me to have faith in you, to be in your presence, to have the crumbs, which is you, the one who could give it to me. And he gave it to her, amen, but she wasn't wanting the, it wasn't about the healing. It was about the healer for her. Even if you don't receive all that you ask for, it's enough to know that you are loved and are in the presence of the one who, who could give it to you. And that his decisions, whether or not to give you what you ask for, does not change the fact that you have him. So maybe you never get the things you ask for, but it doesn't change the fact that you have him. You have him. He's yours. He's here for you. Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I just want to share some passages that show us that God is enough. Some passages and some some statements just to show us, remind us that God is enough. The first one is, God is our home. You know, Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help, help in trouble. So refuge means to abode. And home is not our house, it's not our apartment, it's not where we're presently living. Home is where we find our shelter and our rest. And I'm telling you, like, if there's anything that I've been tested in, I think, a lot, like, physically, like, something that's doing it is in my house, my home. <laughs> but I promise you, in every stage where I've been, that in every place that I had to call home, it has felt like home because God has been with me. God is our home. And if that's not tied to a house, and that's not tied to an apartment, 
I know things are, I know it's hard and it's scary when we feel like we're losing these things, but it's not, our home is not tied to these things. Our home is found in God. God is our home. Even when our earthly home is about to break, like even not the physical home, but the, your family, you know, your relationships, your friends, even when you feel like it's about to break in God, we find peace and the promise of a heavenly home. So this place I'm at right now, this gray wall behind me, all of that, that's going to go away. It's not going to last forever. Where you're at right now, even if you're at your forever home right now, like what they call real estate, you want to buy your forever home? Like, even if you're at your forever home, we have the promise of a heavenly home, and that is our home. Our home is tied in God. Another thing. Another thing to show us that God, guys, another statement, God values us. God values us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Look at that. Talk about birds, right? At the birds, they, like we do so much. To prepare ourselves for situations, right? And it's smart, it's wise. Yes, you should have your emergency fund. Yes, you should be responsible with you know the things God's given you, with your money, with things, you know, with your home. Yes, be responsible. We, but we store away things, right? And we try our, the, our best to be prepared for hard times, right? And the birds don't do that. <laughs> they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Our times, our times, good and the bad, the hard and the easy, are in God's good hands. And we can place our unknown future, the things that we don't know, the things that we can't see, to the one who values us. So even when we're doing all that we can do to prepare for hard times, we can place our unknown future in the God who values us. Another thing, another phrase or a promise, what is impossible for us is possible for God. In Luke 135, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Sometimes we can only see impossibilities in front of us. Like it's, that's, like it's crazy. That's sometimes the only thing we can see is the impossible. Things that are crazy hard, the things that this is gonna be, this is, this is crazy, this is impossible. And it's really, we can only see those things. The impossibilities are what we notice the most. As if they stare us down like an immovable mountain that just won't move like it's there in our face, but we serve a mountain moving God. And with God, he promises, God, all things are possible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. God saves. God saves. How many can attest like, to that? the fact that God saves? Can you just put in the comments, God saved me? Amen. Whatever you need to do. Give him a shout of praise in the in the comments. God saves. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, 
He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God is a preserver of our lives. We know the devil, he wants to steal our joy, destroy, destroy our lives, destroy our families. But God is the good shepherd, and he leads us behind calm, beside calm waters and fills us from peace when we worry. While the enemy wants to kill us, yes, he wants to kill you. <laughs> you didn't know that. Now you know. While the enemy wants to kill us, he will revive us back to life. Through God, we experience, through God, we experience restoration. God gathers those, those of us who are humiliated, who were humiliated, who are, who are broken, who are condemned. And when the world didn't treat us with honor, he treats us with honor. He saves us. He is mighty to save us. God is enough to carry First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. To cast, think about casting. There's a lot of things you can think about. Um, the word cast, some people think is the, you break your arm or your leg, you put a cast on, right? That's, that's another message too. I'm not gonna go there. Um, but, but to cast is like casting, in this situation, casting is to throw something, like casting a net into, a deep sea like a fisherman does, right? Jesus helps us to cast our anxieties, cast them onto him, like casting a net into the deepest part of the sea, even deeper than the sea. And you can watch documentaries. I love watching them. Like my dad does too. Like I love watching ocean documentaries. Like the sea is deep. This parts of the sea we haven't even been able to discover as a human race. But even deeper than the sea, God deeply, deeply cares for us. Family dramas, health issues, and many other things we have or will endure, God deeply cares for them. God deeply cares for us and will carry our burdens for us. You don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to. It doesn't mean it goes away, but it means that there's a faithful God who's carrying it for you. It doesn't have to weigh you down. The next thing is God is able. God is able. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We must believe every good thing that God has promised us through this world. Our finite minds, because we're so fine, no matter how smart, the smartest person we know, the most intelligent person we know, the greatest person that we see, like their minds are so finite compared to God's. Our finite minds cannot and will not, cannot, comprehend and cannot see beyond the situation that we are in right now. But God is abundant and good in all, all of his ways. This remains true, even when we can't comprehend it. 
just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. God is able. God is always with us. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. God's presence is more than enough when we face fearful times or when we feel, or when we feel discouraged. His presence is enough to carry us through those times. God meets our needs. Yes, he does. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. Christ meets our needs. God's grace is enough. 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in our past haunts us. We have pasts that haunt us. There's things that we've gone through years ago that still try to creep up like a reminder. Like, remember when you did this? Or remember when this happened to you? Like, our past continuously tries to haunt us. But God strengthens us with his grace. Grace is not to be abused. And a lot of people think it's like, oh, if I sin and I do this, then God's grace is sufficient. And that's what that means. No. God's grace is not to be abused. God's grace is not a pass to do what we want to do. God's grace is meant to strengthen us. So even though the thorn in our life, the thorn in our side may remain there, it's not that we give into it. Oh, God's grace got it. No, God's grace gives us the strength to not give in to the thorn, to not do the things that we struggle with. God's grace strengthens us enough to say no to sin and no to the things we want to do. It's not a pass to do the things we want to do, but it strengthens us to say no to the things that we want to do and yes to him. God's goodness is enough. Psalms 34.10, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Why is that? Because we already have God and he is good all by himself. Amen? Amen. You see amen. <laughs> God is a promise keeper. Psalms 105.8, he has remembered his covenant forever. The word forever, forever, never ending. He has remembered his covenant forever. It has to emphasize on that. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. How many can give him praise for that? He's a covenant keeper and will never forget the promises towards us his promises towards us he'll never forget them he vows to remember his covenant to a thousand generations how crazy is that that means that what he promised your grandmother your grandfather the 
father, your mother, your great grandmother, great grandfather, your great great grandparents, great 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 grandparents. He promises to remember the covenant he kept with them. They're not even physically here anymore. How much more can we believe and hold on to the fact that he will keep our promise to us, his promise to us? I'm a living testimony of that. I know that if I'm here today, it's because he has kept the promises that he's made to my grandmother, my grandfather, my, gra my, my, my other grandmother, my other grandfather. He has kept the promises that he's made to my grandparents. And they've been gone for a little bit already. It actually would have been my grandfather's birthday on the 19th. But I know that if I'm here today, it is a product of the prayers and the promises that he's kept to them. He's, he has kept it to them. He's kept his covenant with them. He'll keep his covenant with you. He'll keep it with you. He'll never fail you. He is a promise keeper. God is over our needs. He is above them and he is over them. He knows them, he sees them. Luke 12.22, take no thought for your life, but ye shall eat, neither for the body, but ye shall put on, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> he is God over our needs. Not what we think we need, let me clarify that, but what we truly need. And we need to trust him that he knows what that is. Because there's a lot of things we think we need. And really don't. <laughs> and it's not to say that he doesn't care about how you feel about it, or that you know he doesn't care about the feeling you're having or the struggle you're having feeling that you need this. But he knows if you truly need it. God is over our needs. He knows what we need. And we will not lack anything that we truly need. And with, well, I can't have one more, sorry. God's peace is enough. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Let me tell you, it's all about the needs, um, like tying into this. You know, um, back in 2000, I believe it was 16. Yeah, 11, 16. Um, my grandmother passed away. My grandmother, Kisika, passed away. And I praise God that he had allowed me to be by my, with my other grandparents who passed away. But during the time we were here, the Hurricane Irma was about, and she wasn't letting up, and I booked. I can't tell you how many flights I booked to try to get out to Pennsylvania to be at my grandmother's funeral. It took most mainly be with my family, be with my father. My father was very close to his mother, and um, my aunt was very close to her mother. Like 
we're a very tight-knit close family. We love each other. Not perfect, but we love each other very much. And I love you all. Um, but my heart, I'm telling you, I put flight after flight after flight, and I couldn't get out. It's like, God, you don't understand. Like, I need to get out of here. Like, I need to get to Pennsylvania. I need to get to that funeral because I need to be there. I wasn't there when she died, and um, I saw her on video, and I wasn't there when she died, so I need to be there. Like, you don't understand, like, I would never forgive myself if I'm not there. I will never be okay if I'm not there. Like, I need to be there, and like, I need to be there for my dad, like, God, and I'm crying, and and the things I was asking for wasn't bad. I know God wasn't disappointed with what, what I was asking him. I knew he understood. Being a daughter, a granddaughter, like wanting a niece, wanting to be with my family. Like God, I need to do this. I need to. I can't forgive myself if I can. I was like going crazy in my room, and flight after flight canceled, canceled, and I didn't make it. I was like, God, how am I gonna live with myself? How am I gonna live with this? But let me tell you that I thought I needed to be there. But what I needed more than anything was to know that God is my peace. And what I needed to know was that God will, has, and will forever meet every need that I truly have. It was a beautiful desire, and one I'm not ashamed of having, of wanting to have been there in my heart, where still thinking about it sometimes. But God, what I needed more than to be there was I needed to know and hold on to and be assured of the fact that God is my peace and that all I really need is him. I'm telling you, more than anything we could ever think we need, the only thing we need is him. The only thing we need is his peace. And he'll give it to you in times that don't make sense when you're about to lose your mind. That was me. He is faithful to do so. And I'll end with this. God is our reward. Genesis 15.1 Fear not, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. This passage, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, this is um, the story of Abraham. God is saying, told this to Abraham. And Abraham, God made a promise to Abraham that he would give him a son. That he would give him a son. Give him a son. It's going to happen. Give him a son. And like years passed, they're getting, Abraham's getting old. Sarah's getting old. And it's like, I know you kept me, you made me this promise, and you said you would reward me with this. But I'm getting old. And like there were there was times that you know that he you read you gotta read it, like it's a lot. <laughs> but there's times like you know, like Abraham had done things and his wife had done things um to kind of make the promise of God or the reward happen, like kind of make it happen as if God wasn't gonna do it on his own. So there's like they were dealing with a lot of disappointments and a lot of you know doubt of like I'm I'm here, I'm old, I am I really gonna receive this child from God like God, are you really gonna give it to us and let me he did 
Spoiler alert, he did. Despite everything, God gave him a son, a son named Isaac. And repeated disappointments, just like Abraham, repeated disappointments will continue to knock us down. But remember that God is our reward. He is a shield against humiliation and hurt. Not that we won't be humiliated and hurt, but he's a shield that within that humiliation and hurt, it doesn't, it, it doesn't defeat us how it's meant, how the enemy meant for it to defeat us. So he, is she, he shields us for what that hurt and that humiliation should have done to you. It didn't get to do it to you because he, he's your shield. A lot of things that we experience, a lot of things that I've experienced, humiliation, I've experienced in the church growing up, hurt that I experienced in the church growing up, those things were meant to take me out, that I would not be speaking to you today. But God has been my shield. And not that I didn't feel the humiliation, so that I didn't feel the hurt. It's that he shielded me so for what it was meant to do, it didn't get to do to me. That is the God I serve. That is the God that I'm speaking to you about today. And this is a reminder to you that God is enough. That's the end of my message today, of what I have for you today, like written down here. Um, but I want you to know and understand Understand it, grasp it, live it, believe it. God is, you know. I don't know who's been watching this. I know we had a lot of people coming in and out. Um, I address people that used to preach, used to sing, used to serve him that maybe aren't anymore today. Well, just the ones that maybe this is the first time you've heard of God or maybe it's not the first time, but it's just another opportunity that you've had to hear about the God that is enough, the God that loves you. I want to give you the opportunity to give yourself to Jesus today. To give yourself to the one who's given everything to you for you. Who literally gave himself for you. And I promise you, a God like that, that's all you need. It's not to downplay your situation, but God is bigger than your situation. So if you can right now, where you are, comment section, wherever you want, however you want to write it, you want to write something, connect with us, let us know if this message has touched you, or if you want to accept Jesus today, again, the one, you want to give yourself to the one that gave everything to you, I want to celebrate you, come on guys, let's celebrate them, if there's been our salvation experience right now, today. Welcome home. Welcome to the arms of the one that is enough. And I want to just pray with you right now where you are. You can in church, even if you're not, even if you're not giving yourself to Jesus today. I mean, I do the salvation prayer every time, like every time I do it, because I need, I need, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. <laughs> I need him all the time, right? He's my savior forever. But you know, let's pray for the people that God is doing something in their lives with this message. 
and that he wants to encounter them and he wants to you know and he wants to you know have a relationship with them from this point forward i want to have a relationship with you. i want to pray for you father i thank you jesus you are so 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 good god you are good you are awesome and i thank you i thank you for dying for us on the cross i thank you for giving your life god but not just staying there god but that you rose again our victory lord god and our salvation is in the fact that you rose again you didn't stay dead you are alive god and you showed us that you raised yourself so that you that we can know that you're a god that raises people that raises things from the dead and right now i pray for every single person that heard this message that maybe feels for a long time they've been feeling like they're not good enough they're they've been dead a long time God, I pray for them, God, that they encounter, they have been able to encounter the God who is enough and that loves them and that raises the dead to life. Father God, repeat after me if you're accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, saying, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that not only that you died, but that you rose again so that I can have eternal salvation with you. I believe you are the son of God, that you are who you say you are. And Father God, I believe, Lord God Jesus, that I need a savior, that I need a savior and that I will have eternal life in you. Thank you for saving me, God. I accept you as my only Lord and sovereign Lord and savior God above all things. And from this day forward, I choose to walk with you and love you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys.